Wow, this is wonderful. For those of you who don't know us, I, we were trying to figure when we met your pastors. I think it's been about eight years ago, but I'm not positive we were there for just one service. We had a, a Christmas program with you. And, um, but we're just really glad to be here. We, uh, this is our 31st year together in ministry. And, and I always tell people, I don't know how long it took you to get, to get, you know, get yourself ready this morning, but it took us 31 years to get ready to come here. <laughs> And we're just really glad to be here. Sometimes people will ask, you know, are you the original Shekinah Glory? Because they'll say, I saw a group named Shekinah Glory in 1982 at Grace or somewhere else. And I'll say, no, that was our parents. <laughs> <laughs> they were really crazy, but we, we're cool. No, that was us, the originals. Yeah, well, I don't know, the original, but you know, the group. There's a lot of, you know, sometimes they keep the name, but the faces change to protect the innocent. <laughs> How many of y'all are happy? I got a scripture for you this morning. You know, that I really believe the word of God. Boy, I tell you, we, there's been such great revival stirring in the hearts of people all over the world. All over the world. We leave for the Philippines on Wednesday, and, and this, so this is our, our last place before we go there, and we're going to be there for almost 10 days and just teaching in the church and the Bible school there in Manila, and, and then we'll be going to Canada. We, we go to France every year and have a, a conference right in the heart of Paris and just have a wonderful time. I'm telling you, I, don't, I know if all you watch is CNN or even Fox, you might be a little discouraged, but I'll tell you what, there's another place where we get a broadcast where the word the bible says is for your future we say what kind of plan are they going to have they're trying to figure out a plan i like what god says in jeremiah 29 i got a plan we got you. a package stimulus plan it's and called it is a stimulus plan. supply all your need according, according to his riches in christ in fact, jesus what's if ephesians 5 says don't get your stimulus from wine but get it from the Holy Ghost. Be, be we, filled we with the a, Spirit. We have a plan that's not even a bailout. You can just walk in. Yeah, that's right. You know right. what I'm saying? He is the Almighty God. He's more than enough. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I, I uh, this morning. Glory to God. You know, so I, it matters not. We cast our care on, on him, him. And we are in fact, <laughs> In fact, the darker it gets, the brighter the you brighter shine. We get. You know, we just have a different source. In fact, uh, I kept this morning when I was in my room, I started singing this song. I, I, I just remembered it um, from now, years. If I tell you the Holy Ghost is here, will you shout more than you did when we said those, those hockey players were coming? The Holy Ghost is here. Hey, listen. We yes. were just... Oh, hello from Dumas, Texas. Hi. We All were, right, you guys, hey. I want you to jump in, run around, you know, shout and do whatever, you know. You know, we were just we're in Bastrop. We're going to stir up. You know what I'm saying? We're going to stir up some stuff. We were just in Bastrop, Texas last week, last weekend, and on uh, Sunday, uh, uh, I forget, it was Sunday night, I think she came up to testify. We were there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, I think. Yeah, that's right. And then Monday night, or Sunday night, she came up to testify, and she had come, she had a huge tumor. I mean, they had a picture of her before. She was kind of had her hand right here kind of holding it. And she came up and she said, when the middle, when the, we were just, I mean, the spirit of God began the glory. to move in the altar. And I mean, she <laughs> said, uh, the, the girl that behind her thought she said, all of a sudden she saw her pants get real loose. She thought she was going to lose her pants. And she said. So she grabbed her pants so she to keep grabbed her pants, her pants from falling to keep off. from falling off. And she came up and she said, I, she said, I don't know what happened. She said, honestly, I can't even tell you how it happened. She said, all I know is I had a tumor and it's gone it was so big it's gone people thought she was pregnant yeah, it was so big people thought she was pregnant but I the mean, tumor just went like it was just gone and i thought while well, somebody's trying to figure out how that happened she's saying it happened and it happened 
How many of you believe that he's the same? But Isaiah 53, 4 says, who has believed, Isaiah 53, 1 says, who has believed the report of the Lord? I don't know that report. He says, anybody here believe the report of the Lord? Who has trusted in it? I like how the Amplified says, who has trusted and relied and clung to the message? Who, to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And then he says this, for surely, verse 4, I like how it says, He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and yet we did esteem him, esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. I wish God would talk to me. Well, you just need to read what He, you know, here He sounds like He's talking, you know. It's like that lady. It's like that. It's like like that man who wanted to check his wife's hearing because he just knew her, her hearing was going bad. So he sat her in a chair and he, he so he got, he got, uh, you know, a little ways away and he said, can you hear me? He didn't hear nothing. So he got a little bit closer. He said, he, can you hear me now? He still didn't hear nothing. So he got right up next to the back of her chair and he said, I said, can you hear me now? And she said, for the third time, yes, yes. I can hear you. You like to tell my jokes, don't you? For the third I time. Tell it. You in other it. words, while you're saying, ah, God's not saying nothing, oh, you might want to check your hearing because I'm telling you, he's talking. He's talking. He has borne our sicknesses. Woo! Now listen to the Amplified. Don't you like the word? Boy, we need, we need to really understand what God says because what God says just kind of settles the issue. I'm going to test you guys. The word is here. Surely, listen to the Amplified. That's 10 of you. Thank you. Surely he has borne our griefs, sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses, carried our sorrows and pains of punishment, yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God as if with leprosy, but he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our guilt and iniquity, the chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him and with his stripes hold on here let me read that last part and with the stripes that wounded him we are healed and made whole i looked up that word born surely he has born now here in texas you know it's the word in the hebrew where we get our word nasa n-a-s-a it literally means a lifting power it says literally he lifted up that's why we call our space program nasa because it means he literally has lifted up from us our sicknesses and our diseases our iniquities our illnesses our pains and this morning if you have pain of any kind in your body any kind in your i mean pain of any kind right now i want you to receive this word that he has lifted that pain off of you because i'm telling you the spirit of god is here we were just that to to release you from that he's here he's the same yesterday today and forever i don't care if it's your little toe i don't care if it's your ear i don't care if it's your foot your hand your, your back wrist. i don't care what it is right now everybody just lift up your hands and thank God you, that He you, carried you away from you. Right now. Took that pain because He Christ took it. Come on, just say out your mouth. You. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for taking away. For taking away. Lifting out. Lifting out. out. From me. From me. All my pain. All my pain. You lifted it off of me. You lifted it 
off of me. I don't have to bear it. I don't have to bear it. You bore it for me. You bore it for me. You took it away. You took it away. It's no longer mine. It's no longer mine. Pain. Pain. You don't belong to me. You don't belong to me. I resist you. I resist you. I believe. I believe. The report of the Lord. The report of the Lord. Now thank him for doing it. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Lift your hands and lift your voice. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Use your voice. Thank you, Lord. For our transgression, oh yes, he was. He was bruised for our iniquity. <laughs> oh, you can just speak the word, and it brings life and healing. Surely he bore all my sorrow. Yes, he did. And by his stripes we were healed. Now I want you to say it. He was wounded for my transgression. He was wounded for my transgression. He was bruised for my iniquity. He
healed or set free. But you know, it depends on you. You know, listen, your voice is your address in the Spirit. I don't mind people clapping, but let me tell you, in the New Testament, New Testament believers lift our voice. We, we praise Him. We continually give thanks unto Him. It's our, your voice is your address. Things aren't coming to your address. Are you using your voice? Hebrews 13 says, By Him let us offer the sacrifice of praise continually. continually. You say, what does that mean? Well, I'm glad you asked, Paul. Harvey, he'll tell you the rest of the story. That is the fruit of, of your lips, lips giving thanks giving to thanks. His name. The fruit of your lips. He says, that's what comes out your voice. What, did you, what are you going to do? You just got to lift your voice. And what happens when you lift your voice? You release your faith. The word and of so, faith is in And you. so oftentimes people will come up and they said, I knew, I knew that tonight I would be healed. Or when the glory comes in, you said, how does the glory come in? When the whole church enters in. You know, I, so often people say, well, we're coming to look at somebody. And we say, we're coming to look to see what you do. What you do will depend on how strong the glory comes in. Because it's already on us. <laughs> and it's upon you. But responsive obedience is what brings the blessing. Hallelujah. Are y'all with Hallelujah. us? Aren't okay. you glad this isn't the show? This is what I want you to do. I want you to lift your hands and lift your voice and say, Glory to God. Glory, Glory to God. To God. Oh, and say, Lord, let it pour in this church right now. Let it rain, Lord. All you teenagers, if you're born again, you do the same. If you're, bo if you're not born again, then we need to get you saved. If you're born again, lift your hands and lift your voice. If you're saved, if you're not saved, then we'll, we'll have an altar call. But all you teenagers, all you kids, yes. Adults, husbands, wives, kids, lift your hands and say, Glory, Glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. This is a great place listen, Now listen, I'm not trying to get on your kids, but let me tell you something. We're in meetings where the teenagers are the ones that are running around the church. The teenagers are the ones that are rolling across the floor and screaming, and we're having to beg the, the adults to follow suit. <laughs> Someone says, don't make me do anything. Well, you know, you make your kids take out the trash. What do you think? God's going to be any different with you? When I tell you to take out the trash, it's bless God, I mean, take out the trash. It's actually you know, called. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't. I said, make up your bed. And then you can go somewhere. <laughs> but then again, we think, oh, the Lord, well, he's a gentleman. <laughs> he's like, and he's he is. Like, he is. He's not going to tell me to do something that I don't feel like doing. <laughs> Certainly That's not. true. If he could, he'd make you pay your tithes. Oh. He's not. Yeah, if he could, yeah, we'd all pay tithes. <laughs> but what we Nobody laughed do. on that except the, except the tithers. <laughs> and the rest are crying. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad? Listen, I, I, listen, I just want to tell you something. The reason I'm pushing you so hard right now is I'm expecting the glory to show up. A little lady brought her. Remember what I, I don't mind you clapping, but I want you to raise your voice. I want you to get in another habit. A, a lady came in. You said, well, why? I don't need anything. Yeah, but what if somebody else does? You know, when I come to church, half the time I don't feel like it. Half the time I don't feel like lifting my hands. Half the time I don't feel like singing. Half of the time I don't feel like it. I said, get somebody else. Get someone else. It's their personality. You know, get a, get a singer saved and, and convert them and, and an entertainer who's real outgoing and let them do it. 
but it doesn't depend on what I feel. Listen, time is short. People are hurting all over the world. People are hurting in our, in our churches. And I want the glory of God. I've seen the glory of God. And I don't care about myself. I don't care what anybody thinks of me, and I don't care about myself. It's not about me. It might be about your husband who's had four bypass operations, who's coming in here this morning and believing in God. You may have been diagnosed with cancer. Your kids might have emphysema. Your kids might have been diagnosed with, di with diabetes. And it's those of us who know the power of God and who expect it to fall and flow. We're the answer. Yes, we are. A lady came in and, and she, I said, there's somebody here. I said, you've been in something's wrong with your ears. There's been some kind of an infection. She brought her baby in. She said, my baby's had infections for, 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 seven, for seven months. months. She's 11 months old and she cries every night. But the glory came in because the church, listen, the glory was so strong, the pastors wept for the first two meetings. They couldn't even function because it was like rain, which is falling right now. Can you sense it? I can't. Oh, you guys are hungry. Boy, we, we, we walked into a hungry, we walked into a, whoo, there's a buffet here. <laughs> oh, that table in front of your enemies. Man, there's victory. Have passed the victory, Pappy. Woo! Woo! The enemy's sitting on the side going, look over here, look over here. And you're saying, no, you know why? Because he can't get to the table. And he wants to keep you bound. Well, that's not your personality. You sit there like that. That ain't you. You're tough, you know, you're, and you're quiet. She's referring to Psalms 23, for those of you who don't know. He prepared a table for me in the, in the presence of my enemies. enemies. You say, well, that's the problem. I got some, I got some enemies I'm dealing I'm with right you. now. Well, you also got a table that God's prepared for you right in the middle of it. Hey, I'm telling you, I know people are saying things, you know, that what are we going to do? What are we going to do? But, you know, I was driving down the street not too long ago, and, oh, by the way, the lady brought her baby in, and the glory fell. And her baby slept for two straight nights when we were there. She got up every night after that. We were there for three more nights and said she slept all the way through the night. No more hurting infection in her ears. The glory is bright. Sometimes it's referred to as brightness or a cloud. Or it's called, they'll say, a bright light shone. And then the cloud came in the transfiguration. And then God spoke out of the cloud. He said, what's wrong with you? Nothing. I'm just drunk in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you know, there's no limit to and how much. You should see some of our young guys that, that work with us and uh, go to some of the churches. I'll be, you'll be speaking. The glory will come on them. Like, like, how old are you? 18. And all of a sudden, they'll just timber or fall over. Why? Because when he, glory showed up, they would fall back. It's so, it's, it's so heavy. It's like a strong weight. You said 18-year-old boys, honey, we, they're, they're all the, oh, that, age it's not about age it's about sensitivity to the holy ghost it's not about age it's about it's about hunger it's not about age you, some of our youngest kids that go to france with us they're so fired up it's, it's not age it's it's not how old you are it's not how young you are it's how hungry are you how abandoned are you to the things of the spirit I, I was in a meeting where all these doctors and attorneys were rolling across the floor, you know, rolling, 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 rolling. You know, we call it, they call us holy rollers, we might as well be it. And um, they were rolling across the floor. 
And I started laughing. <laughs> and then finally the wind of the Spirit hit me down and I was crawling down there with them. <laughs> As I said, they call us holy rollers. I guess you'd say it's true. If you knew why they'd rolling, you'd be, you'd be rolling, rolling too. <laughs> that's a little rap. They call us holy rollers. No, that's, that's not a little true. rap. If you know, rolling. Okay, are y'all ready? You say, why do they roll? Why don't you ask them next Listen, time? We're pretty hip. We, we're pretty, uh, we're, we're pretty bombish. What? Bombish? Is that the word? We're, bomb? Oh, bomb. We're pretty. Okay. Okay. We're pretty rad. If you don't know what you're saying, you probably shouldn't be saying it. <laughs> we're, <laughs> We're pretty rad. Oh, don't you love the redeemed of the Lord? The glory's here, church. Oh, glory to God. The glory's falling all over this room. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for a fresh anointing. Psalms 92 says, I will be anointed with fresh oil. The Bible calls us redeemed. When you write song, you listen to this song, this is what you call a fighting song. You're not so much talking to, you know, old Joe that you've been having trouble with. You're talking and to the things that you can't see. Your bank account won't change. No, Your you body will never be healed. I say, excuse me, call me redeemed. You talking to me? The Great Awakening in 1726. It was a, a, a colonial America, it says, in 1726 was in moral and spiritual decline. You could almost say that uh, uh, modern America in 2008 was in moral and spiritual decline. The challenges of frontier life and a series of brutal wars had demoralized many. Uh, the challenges of modern, everyday, computer-age life and a series of brutal wars had demoralized many. You could almost, I mean, just change a few words and it's up to date. You know what I'm saying? You say, well, it's not like it's never been like this, like it is now. Oh, is that what you think? It's actually been worse in some days. But thank God for the unchanging, un, uh, uh, unconquerable word of God. Listen to this now. John Edwards, who was a pastor of a congregational church in Massachusetts, had expressed his concern for the general deadness throughout the land, and he set himself to seek God for a revival. Others also began to seek God, and in 1726, a spiritual awakening broke out in various regions. And it says uh, one of the communities where the Holy Spirit poured out in, in Massachusetts, Northampton, was indeed an awesome sense of his divine presence permeating the entire community. Edwards reported the town seemed to be full of the presence of God. In every part of town, the Spirit of God was powerfully at work until there was scarcely a person in the town old or young, left unconcerned about the great things of the eternal world. Do you, can you tell when people talk on, on many times, almost all the time on television, there is no concern for the great things of eternity. Without any sort of planned evangelistic outreaches, souls were coming by flocks to Jesus Christ. Edward's church suddenly filled with those seeking salvation and those experiencing the fruit of already being born again. Now listen, this is what they said about the, the, the church in those days. 
Our public assemblies, this is a direct quote from their, their rec recorded uh, 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 writings. Our public assemblies were beautiful. The congregation was alive in God's service. Everyone intent on the public worship. Every hearer eager to drink in the words of the minister as they came from his mouth. The assembly would in general from time to time be in tears when the word was preached. Some weeping with sorrow, others with joy and love. Others with pity and concern for the souls of their neighbors. People from other communities often scoffed when they heard of the events in Northampton. However, simply upon entering the community, their skepticism inevitably dissipated because of the overwhelming presence of God. When we were in Salt Lake City just a few months ago, a man came who had a friend had brought him for 15 years. He told his friend, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. The next day she came back and she said, my friend called me today and he said, I just want you to know after that meeting last night, he said, I know God. I know God is real. He said, as converts returned home, they would carry the spirit of revival with them and the awakening spread. He said, the power that accompanied the preachings, uh, uh, he, he said, uh, uh, brought a result that not only transformed the moral and spiritual character of his own community, but also that of the entire nation. Now listen, this was around 1735. If you don't know what happens in history, I'm going to help you here in just a minute. But just keep listening. George uh, 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 Whitefield, he was a friend of the Wesleys. This was in the uh, um, uh, 17, uh, around 1739. He was a gifted preacher and a powerful communicator. Although he was ordained as an Angli Anglican clergyman, he was not denominationally prejudiced. <laughs> I like the way they say that. In 1739, he arrived in America, traveled the length and breadth of the colonies. E everywhere he went, people closed their doors, farmers left their plows, workers uh, to hurry to the place where he was to preach. At a time when Boston, the population was estimated at 25,000, he preached to 30,000 in Boston Common. Signs and wonders ac accompanied his preaching. The power of God would move spontaneously throughout the congregation as he spoke. He said, following his message, further manifestations of the Spirit would, uh, would occur. Whitfield surveyed the crowd and noted the amazing response. Look where I would. This is what a direct quote from him. Look where I would. Most were in tears. Some were struck pale as death. Others wringing their hands. Others lying on the ground, sinking into the arms of friends and lifting up their eyes to heaven, crying out to God. Now listen, Benjamin Franklin was a friend, a close friend of Whitefields. Whitefields, Whitefields. I don't forget how you, Whitefield. He was a close friend. Y'all know who Benjamin Franklin was? Look at your money someday. Might help you. His testimony of the power of the revival is particularly significant since he did not profess to be a Christian at this time. Now listen, this is what he recalls. Quote, in 1739, there arrived among us from Ireland the Reverend Mr. Whitfield, who made himself remarkable there as an itinerant preacher. He was at first permitted to preach in some of our churches, but the clergy, taking a dislike to him, soon refused him their pulpits. Say, what? Well, I'm just telling you. I mean, you might be surprised where sometimes your resistance comes from. And so he was obliged to preach in the fields. I'll tell you, if you got a message from God, you cannot. You know, that's like they said, if they try to run you out of town, you just get in front of them, act like it's a parade. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
The multitudes of all denominations attended. This is what uh, Benjamin Franklin uh, uh, attended. His sermons were enormous. And it was a matter of speculation to me, who was one of the number, he was there, to observe the extraordinary influence of his oratory on his hearers. That was the anointing. He was trying to understand how this influence from being thoughtless or indifferent, not caring, it seemed as if the whole world were growing religious, and he means by that loving God and loving his word. It seemed as if all the world were growing religious so that one could not walk through the town in an evening. That means he couldn't walk through the town in the evening without hearing psalms sung from different families in every street. Woo, many manifestations of the great awakening would be familiar to modern Pentecostals and charismatics. Falling under the power, for example, was not unusual. Edwards referred to it as fainting and described it in one meeting as being full of nothing but faintings, outcryings, and the like. That means shouting, people falling under the power. It said some were so affected, their bodies so overcome they were, that they could not go home but were obliged to stay all night where they were. We were in Asheville, North Carolina two weeks ago, and I'm telling you, that's exactly what happened there. I mean, I had to make myself get up. You know, you, you know you're not going to be forced to do anything under the power of God. But I'm telling you, the glory of God was so strong and the people of God were so hungry. I mean, we were there. I don't know how long we were there. And I, I knew we had to get up in the morning and do another meeting. You know, I thought, well, <laughs> I guess my flesh got the best of me. I said, I, I, need, to, I need to go take a shower. Praise the Lord. They took her out in the chair, yeah. Listen to this. It says, uh, <laughs> it says th these meetings, and uh, this was actually an opposer of the revival that had left the, uh, left the following description after a meeting. And when he refers to ec ecstatic utterances, he's including, uh, that includes speaking in tongues. This is what he said. He said, you said, mean we're going to have opposers? Listen, if you don't have anybody opposing you, you might want to check up on which way you're going. I mean, really. I mean, when they were opposed in Acts chapter 13, it says, and the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Ghost. Two distinct uh, uh, traits of people who have been, you know, you know, if you don't have any opposition, you just, you know, I'm telling you, the world, the, Jesus said, they hated me, they're going to hate you. We love them. We love them. That doesn't mean they love us. It said the meetings would continue until 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night in the midst of sometimes uh, 10, 20, 30 or more screaming, crying out, sending forth groans while others made great manifestations of joy by clapping their hands, uttering ecstatic expressions, that's tongues, singing psalms and inviting and exhorting others. Now stay with me. The revival had far-reaching implications. Reports in New England alone, the converts of uh, 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 30 to 40,000 and 150 new churches. Praise the Lord. In addition, the revival changed the moral climate of colonial America and spawned extensive missionary work and other humanitarian enterprises. Colleges like Princeton, Columbia, Hampton, Sydney were established to equip uh, ministers for their new congregations. The revivals also contributed to the growing sense of political independence among the colonies. In other words, the desire to be free, to be able to worship as they chose, was growing so strong in them in the midst of this revival, this Pentecostal revival. Now keep listening. Harvard professor William Perry says this, quote, 
the Declaration of Independence of 1776 was a result of the evangelical preaching of the evangelist of the Great Awakening. Glory to God. You say, what is this sense that brought this sense of we want to be free, free, free to do what? Free to worship God as we choose, free to love him, free to congregate together as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. They fought for that freedom. They were opposed for that freedom. But the, re the result of a revival, not just of, of just men and women in their own ability coming together, but coming together under the power and glory of God caused a rising up in the nation that it looked in the natural impossible for them to achieve but they did achieve it because it wasn't a vision born out of their own selfish desire it was a vision born out of the purpose and plan of God and when your plan is God's plan you cannot be stopped you understand these revivals were in 1730, 40, 50, and it was 1776 when the Declaration of Independence was signed into law and they knew that freedom, it was a freedom that had been a, a given to them. Gee, what is it? Oh, you know, freedom is not the gift of America. It's the gift of God to the world. But I want you to understand, they knew and they fought and they stood not just in their power, but in the power of God. And I'm telling you, listen to me, that was the revival in 1700. There was another one in 1800. I could read you some of those stories if they're amazing. And then in 1900, the Azusa Street Revival, where people, you say, what do you mean revival? I mean where the people of God come alive with what they have. Come alive, where they're stirred instead of sitting, where they're, where they're shouting instead of, of remaining quiet, where what God has done is more real to them than any problem, issue, or, de or, or depression of this world. And they yield to that. And when you yield to that power, I'm I, got, I got news to you, honey, our best days are ahead. And listen to me, God has a plan for this hour. Do you believe God has a plan? I know God has a plan. Why do you think they endured the hardness to establish the plan that came out? It, it, it affects the, of the moral and, and political climate, but it is a result of the people of God who, listen, you can't change a culture unless you can change a heart. Did you know that it is a, it is a fact? Uh, they, these guys that do all these, you know, different, uh, uh, you know, uh, studies and stuff. That it is a fact that it only takes 2% of a population to change a culture. 2%. 2%. That's why some people Listen, let me talk now, sister. Matthew 16. <laughs> if I don't, if I don't uh, get it out, it won't get out. But I want you to look here in Matthew 16. Because in Matthew 16, Jesus wanted people to, uh, to get a glimpse into what God was doing. What time is it? Oh, I know. I'll, I'll be real quick here. But I want you to get this. Are y'all okay? Matthew 16, look at this verse. I think some of the most amazing scriptures that are in the, uh, uh, the, the Gospels, in the, in the, in the uh, uh, New Testament, the Gospels, in Matthew 16, when Jesus, verse 13, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi. Matthew, the first book in the New Testament. He asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, some say you are John the Baptist, some Elijah, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. 
And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Now listen, he wasn't asking them who he was because he didn't know the answer. He was asking him who he was because he knew that if they ever knew the answer, they would understand the plan of God for their life. They would understand what God was doing, not just in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, but the purpose of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and what it would bring to our day. Everybody's trying to define your day. They want to call you the, you know, XYZ generation or the, what is it? There's about three different, you know, the boomer generation, you know, or the, there's another one. What do they call it now? Millennial Millennial, I mean, everybody's trying to define your generation. But listen to me. You must understand what God is doing today. And when you become a part of what God is doing, I mean, the declaration of independence is significant. But I'm telling you, he saved the best for last. Honey, it's not over yet. Don't act like it is. And until it is, we got a light that shines through the darkness, and the darkness cannot put it out. And so he says in Matthew 16, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered, and he said to him, he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now listen to what Jesus answers to him when he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, I like how it, he, he said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. He's actually telling Peter that what you just saw is a, revelation from God out of heaven about who I am and what I came to do. Now, do you know that God has always, always had a plan? I always like to tell people this. Listen, God's plan, he's always had a plan. And Acts 5 says the plan of God cannot be stopped. The devil doesn't really have a plan. All he's trying to do Really, his plan, if you want to call it a plan, is to stop the plan of God. He can't stop it, so all he wants to do is stop it in you. I mean, he can't in the, you know, sovereign will of God. He cannot change the will of God. But he can change you. Did you hear me? I said, so, so if you know he can't change the will of God, honey, that ought to make you get your bullet out, Barney Five. And when he starts trying to mess with you, instead of you letting him mess with you, you start messing with him. The Bible says, resist the devil, steadfast in the faith. He says, when he, he said, what's going to happen if you do that? You're going to put him on the run instead of him putting you on the run. Oh, I'm telling you right now, you got all the cards. You got the winning hand. He's going to bluff you and make you think that you got to fold. But don't you fold because you got the winning hand. All he can do is bluff you. And if you start shaking in your boots, that's because you don't realize what you're holding in your hand. And Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? And you understand when Jesus came, he knew time was about to change. He knew he had never, there are two things he speaks of in this chapter he had never spoken of until now. Two things. And he knew that when these two things happened, time would change. You know that every person, no matter when they lived, the significance of their life was summed up really in just a few words. They understood what God was doing 
And by faith, they did their part. I mean, just think about it. You know, no matter what time it was. I mean, with uh, you know, you think about it, it began with the time of innocence in the garden where uh, God walked with Adam and Eve. And there was, uh, you know, the Bible says that they were clothed with the glory of God. Romans 3.23 says they lost that glory because of sin. But aren't you glad that even though they lost the glory of God, that they didn't lose the plan of God because God said, I have a plan and I'm going to crush the seed, the woman's seed shall crush the head of the serpent aren't you glad he spoke it out somebody had to believe it God believed it it's like that atheist told someone I don't believe in God they said well we just want you to know he believes in you Glory to God. But what happened? Time changed and went from the time of innocence to the time of consciousness where men were more aware of their flesh than they were of the Spirit of God. And so it became a, 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 a fight uh, to be able to bring people back to a consciousness of God and His glory. And aren't you glad that when Noah in Genesis chapter 6, when all the world was full of evil, all the Tower of Babel, which was a time of human uh, knowledge, you know, a human government. I mean, you know, the Tower of Babel was built. That, t- that it was a different time. They call it the time of human government. It's when everybody was so, uh, the, the Bible says that they, they all spoke the same thing and they thought that nothing was impossible to them. Does that sound like anything you're hearing today on TV? You say, what is that? That's the time when human knowledge reigns supreme. And if we just know it's not really evil's not in the world, sin's not an issue, it's just knowing, having knowledge. No, knowledge in and of itself does not produce salvation. The right kind of knowledge can lead to it, but the wrong kind will lead you in further destruction. History proves it out. The, 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 the uh, uh, Nazis were the most educated of any people in their day. They were also the most evil. You understand? The idea of today is that knowledge is just, that's what causes, uh, you know, just ignorance causes evil. No, it's not just ignorance. It's ignorance of God's plan of life. Because man needs salvation. And so the Bible says that in the midst of all this human government and human knowledge that, you know, time changed because the Bible says in Genesis 6, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. A man named Noah who, I mean, it never had reigned on the earth, but he heard from heaven, Hebrews 11 says, that by faith Noah moved with godly fear and he built a boat because he knew he was preparing for what was to come. You say, well, you know, Noah was just doing what he wanted to do. Do you know where there is no scripture anywhere in the Bible that says Noah wanted to build a boat? I just love boats. Did you know that? And if the only thing you give your life to are the things that your natural desires uh, lead you to, I will guarantee you, you will never enter in to the plan of God. You say, why is that true? Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. In in fact, it goes on and says they're foolish to him because they have to be spiritually discerned. Man is a spirit, 
and the spirit of man must be born again. When the spirit of man is born again, then the desire of God begins to well up on the inside of you and some and things that other people wouldn't do because of what it would cost them or the comforts of this life is something you see something greater than that discomfort. You see something up ahead that's much greater than whatever the price is. That's why you don't yield to that discomfort. That's why you don't yield to that failure because you see something greater. Woo, yeah, you don't disturb me if you dance. You don't disturb me if you shout. In fact, you know, sometimes it's disturbing when you don't. So anyway, but listen to me now, church. So Noah built a boat. Listen, and what happened? The Bible says that the plan of God for that, the significance of Noah's life was summed up in Noah built a boat. What happened? Oh, then time changed again. And the Bible says there was a, a, a man named Abram. And in Genesis 12, Abram was in a place where no one in his family served God. He had no history of serving God. But he heard God tell him, get out of this place. Leave this place. Go to a place that I will tell you of. And there I will bless you, your seed, and those after you. Abram didn't know where he was going. Some people say, well, if you don't know where you're going, how are you going to know when you get there? He didn't know where he was going. Now, listen, that might be a nice principle. I'm not saying that's not true in some areas of life, but that's not faith. You understand? Faith doesn't always have all the answers, but it has the ones you need. Amen. You can't take natural principles of success and say that's faith. No, no. Faith is born of the heart by a word from God. And sometimes faith will do things that you have no explanation for. I mean, even just tithing, giving, is sometimes with other people you think, I don't understand that. You say, I don't understand it all either. But I know the blessing of the Lord is on those who give. So I'm a giver. I'm not a keeper. I'm glad for all those amens in this Presbyterian church, but it's true anyway. Listen, so Abram left where he was going. And you say, well, you know, he didn't know where he, he didn't know where he was going. How do you know when he get there? Listen, he may have not, not have known where he was going, but he knew when he got there. You, he knew. You say, how do you know? If you start by faith, you finish by faith. And faith doesn't look at things that are seen, but it looks at things that are real. And so Abram became Abraham. And the Bible says that he received a promise. And with that promise, he built an altar. And in that, with that, on that altar, there was a sacrifice laid. But that sacrifice, really a place where it looked like he was maybe going to lose, was a place where the provision of God was seen. Woo, hot dog, I'm telling you right now, he's more than enough. So Abraham built an altar. But then there came another time, a man named Moses. And Moses, who was left, and the Bible says when he was born, listen to me, they were all the little baby boys were being murdered. All of them. Moses was a little baby boy. If in the natural you would think, not a good time. But aren't you glad? That the plan of God cannot be stopped. I don't care what the evil intent. I don't care what the place of power is. I don't care what the word of the king or the ruler is. The word of God is greater. And the Bible says they put Moses in a, in a little basket and put him down the river. That's how he got his name, Moses. Drawn out. Aren't you glad we can be drawn out of a place of destruction if we say yes to the plan of God? And Moses was raised up, and the Bible says for 40 years he lived out on the backside of the desert. 
for 40 years. If you don't like this show, just watch that one. For 40 years. Picture in picture TV. Here, some pastor said, you guys are really good for people with ADD. Is that it? He said, here comes Moses. And Moses, a man. A man who had issues. You want to talk about issues. Moses was a man who had issues. But he heard God out of the fire say, Moses, I've come down to deliver my people. Moses, I've come down. He said, I'm going to deliver my people. So guess what you're going to be, Moses? You're going to be a deliverer. What do you really get your name from? You get your name from God and what God is doing. And I'll tell you, it can change your itinerary real quick. I mean, but here comes Moses and a man who, just a man who said yes to God, built a nation out of 400 years of people who'd been enslaved. You're looking the wrong way if you're looking at what's happened. You need to look straight ahead and see what God's about to do. And Moses, the time, they call it the time of the law because Moses received God's law that would hold and guard them in place until there would come one who would fulfill and finish that law and bring us the ability not only to know the law but to have within us the power that fulfills that which our flesh has the inability to do. And the Bible says now Jesus has come and he knows time is about to change. And so he looks at Peter and Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says this, the, uh, my father in heaven has given you a revelation. You know, when you have a revelation, can I see this just a minute? I know you have it, but just hold on. Can, you know, it's like this, uh, this, you know, top of this microphone stand. You can't see it now, can you? Can you see no, that, there's not a trick question. No, you can't see it. Why can't you see it? Because it's covered up. But now if I take this off, you can see it. Why? Now I've revealed it. It was there. You just couldn't see it. You understand? Jesus said, God just let you see who I am and what I'm doing. And that revelation was there. Uh, it, it, it was there, but he couldn't see it. His eyes were, you know, it was like there was a, a, a cloth over it, but he took it off. Now he can see it. And Jesus said, now watch what he says to him now about his revelation. He says, and I also say to you that you are Peter. I like what it says in the Message Bible. It says, God has let you in on the secret of who I really am, and now I'm going to tell you who you are. Now watch this now, because really who Peter is, is really the same time that you're living in, Bubba. So if Peter can figure out who he is from this answer, you can figure out who you are. Oh, now that's good news. Now they can quit telling you, you know, you're, you're, a, you know, you're born to lose or you're the, you know, it's Miller time or, or whatever else they're trying to get a hold of your life and your meaning of your life. He says, and now I say to you, he says that you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Woo! 
What did he tell Peter? Really, he talks about his death, burial, and resurrection. And for the first time, the word church shows up. And the word church, a term that in the, in the Greek is just a secular term, E-K-K-L-E-S-S-I-A. It's just a secular term that literally means the gathering together in a public assembly, a, 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 a gathering of citizens called out from their homes into some public place, an assembly in a public place, called out ones, literally. It's just a. It's. Just, it was just a. It was just a secular term. It wasn't a spiritual term. It just meant when you would have like in Acts 19 when they came out of their homes and they were gathered together in the uh, uh, in the public place in Acts 19 because they were upset because their goddess Diana was no longer being sold. And if you will read Acts 19, I believe it's 32, 33. It'll say, and the assembly was in an uproar. Well, if you were reading a Greek New Testament, it would say, and the ecclesia was in an uproar. So it's a word that just defined a secular meaning at that point in history. And literally, but, but Jesus takes that word to show what would give expression to who he is and what he did through his death, burial, and resurrection today. Yes, yes, today. Because, honey, we're not just a crowd. You may have been in some buildings where you felt like it was just a crowd. But, honey, we're not just a crowd. We are the redeemed of the Lord and people who've been called together, not because of their own, you know, personal deal, but because they have heard. I like how he says it. It says in the Barclays, uh, uh, I know it's getting late, but I'll tell you, it's later than you think it is. It says it literally is an assembly that God has called to himself, not so much assembling to share their own thoughts and opinions, but assembling to hear the voice of God. So in other words, where's the voice of God come? He comes from the gifts of God, the power of God, the working of God in our midst. We're not just here. We're not a rotary club. We're not a, you know, a, 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 you know, whatever other club. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with them, but I'm telling you we're not some just social club. We are the very work of God on this earth to display the death, burial, and resurrection. We didn't start with the richest man in town. We didn't start with the strongest most educated man in town we started Jesus said I will build my church our foundation is in the one who died and rose from the dead his name is Jesus but the word church used 114 times in the New Testament it's very interesting that out of 114 times 90 of those references 90 is to the local assembling together of the believer. You say, well, you know, there's an idea. Really, the world is really trying to mess with what the church is. You say, why is that? Because I'm telling you, if the devil can stop you from being a part of the church, he cannot. The Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. I'll guarantee you what God is doing in the church cannot be stopped. But listen to me. It can be stopped in you. You say, how is it stopped in me? Oh, I think you probably got that figured out pretty good. It usually boils down to selfishness. And you know, I always tell people, don't ever let the devil separate, use you to separate, divide, diminish, or demean the church 
in any way. And you say, yeah, but those people down there, you know, they're just really hard for me to get along with. I got news for you. They're saying the same thing about you. Because really, the church is not really, you don't, you know, it's not like you want it to be. It's like you are. You know, I found that if, if you come with a smile, you receive a smile. If you come with a note of joy, you receive a note of joy. It really is true. You do receive what you give. You say, why is it so important? Listen, I've, we've been ministering in churches for 31 years. I've seen all kinds of faces. I've been all kinds of places. You Listen, you cannot scare us. You say, haven't you ever seen people do the wrong thing? Oh, sure. I've seen people do the wrong thing. Have you ever disagreed? Listen, I disagreed with myself sometimes. You say, well, I don't like what they said. Well, they probably didn't like what you said. But you're not joined together because of your own little issues. You're joined together under the purpose and plan of God. And when you join together and your heart's really, what unites you is greater than what divides you. And you must understand, listen to me, people of God, you are greater together than you are alone. So I always tell people, you never really understand what it means to be a Christian until you're a part of his church. You say, why is that? Because Christian, you are made for the church. That's your place this hour. Just as sure as Noah's place was building a boat, Abram's place was at the altar to build an altar, Moses' place was to build a, a, a nation, your place is to build the church. You say, what happens when you do that? Oh, there's a lot that happens. We're going to talk about it a little bit more. There's a lot that happens, but the main things that, that happens is that Jesus Christ is put on display for all the world to see. You know, really, the most important thing happening today, it's not happening in the White House. No. It's not happening in the courthouse. No. It's not happening in some of the great uh, 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 countries where the wealth seems to be so unlimited. No. Really, what's turning our generation just like I read to you, that's why I read to you that, out of that book. What's turning and changing the destiny of our nation is what's happening in the church house. And you may think you have all the reasons why it can't be you that God uses. Every person God used had reasons why they couldn't do it. But they said yes. And when they said yes, their yes to God was greater than all the no's that they had said. So this morning, I just want us all, I want us all to just kind of reevaluate what we've decided to do from this point in life. Because God is calling. The Spirit of God is calling. He's calling 12-year-olds. He's calling 13, 14, 17. He's calling. 70. He's calling for His people to rise up and to let him bring his saving power to our generation. Yes, Lord. I believe it's not too late. Do you believe that? Do you believe it? Yes. You know, the world's waiting for you to tell them that you believe it. Colossians 1.27 says, It's Christ in you that is the hope 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 is not optimism hope is assurance 
a certainty of what is to come, a conviction. It holds your soul. And Christ in you is the hope of the world. Thank you, Jesus. We're almost through. We wrote this song 28 years ago. Little did we know we would sing it in French. It's been played in Arab nations. French is the second language. It's gone all over the world in French and English. We hope you've enjoyed this message by Lois Toucher and Cindy Duvall of Shekinah Glory Ministries. For more information about Shekinah Glory, log on to our website at www.shekinahglory.com. There you'll find our entire catalog of teaching materials, music CDs, and books, all available for online purchase. The website also offers our daily devotional, updates from the road, and our ministry itinerary so you can pray for us as we travel throughout the United States and overseas. You can also join our mailing list in order to receive regular newsletter updates of ongoing ministry projects. Thank you and God bless you for your support of Shekinah Glory Ministries. We couldn't do it without you. Truly the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall fill all the earth. This is Ray Toucher speaking for Shekinah Glory Ministries. Thank you and God bless you.